Yo, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. I am your host, uh, Afro. I am your host, Afro Afro the Press, and this is Unity True to Me, where we talk about everything about the sun that prevents us from unity. You know what I'm saying? Nudity, unity is not new to me. It's true to me. Uh, I truly believe that, um, but I also truly understand that um, the obstacle we face or obstacles that we face is a social one, is an economical one. Then there's even a, a legal aspect. That's why I believe in the power of collective voting along with collective economics to make a move towards the social change that we want to a literal and new reality, a literal change that we want. Um, we can't just say, okay, treat people better. Um, we want equal pay and so forth uh, for the African diaspora and for everyone else in humanity, but then we don't put our money behind it or we don't put our votes behind it. You know what I'm saying? I do believe that there's a process to all of this. But what I want to talk to you about today is uh, an event that I actually did. So it says everyone has a true calling in life. You know what I'm saying? What's yours? Do you know what that is? And I got confirmation today. So I did a uh, speaking engagement. For those that don't know, I am a speaker. That is my career. Uh, these are just outlets that I use to speak um, based on my opinions and all the research and, you know, what I want to bring is impact to the community. And I was speaking to the youth today and I told them my story and I told them my real story. Not nothing that was, uh, you know, Mr. Capalot. Not none of that. I told them, you know, my upbringing, uh, the struggles I had being raised by a single mom, uh, the in and out factor of my father. But I have a better relationship with my father now. Um, but just like, you know, the disappointments that that I had at one point, uh, having to grow past the uh, the battle with resentment, you know, um, decisions I made just trying to get his attention. Uh, trying to be a boy's boy instead of being uh, the the man or the the young man that God needed and wanted me to be, and it took me a really really long time to be comfortable, embrace and embrace who I am. You know that yes, I am his son, but I'm not his identical son. I'm the son that uh, is supposed to use his gift as a voice as a real voice and um for me and um for me it was more so about just letting them know I relate to them and I told them and this in my speech I said uh at some point I will be a version of every young man especially a young black man in this room. At some point, you're going to relate to me and we're going to be real. You know what I'm saying? I grew up in a single parent household. Uh, my mother had financial issues because we was poor. We grew, up, we grew up in a hood. We wasn't poor to where my mom didn't have, you know, put clothes on my back. And I didn't feel uh, a, 
a struggle that may relate to others, but that definitely was a struggle. I ain't had J's every day. I didn't have new pairs of shoes every day. That's no, it wasn't that. Uh, my mom did the best she could. It's still qualities the best she could, but the reality is the reality in life is gonna come knocking at your door, especially when you elevate from uh the community safety of uh elementary school to when you transfer over in high school. Cause that's that's real. You feel me? Like the the struggles and the issues that we face in life, especially in the hood, start when you hit high school. Because now, um, not only do you have your family dynamic that affects you and your conditions, because I told my story in the aspect of it's two things that you got to get from this when you hear my story, is you are not your conditions. You know, your conditions don't make you and, you know, break the fact that you can become great. Um, Cause I was speaking at champs organization and they core motto was about greatness. Uh, but also that once you find your purpose, your purpose will lead you to wealth. Your purpose will lead you to success. Those are the two things because this, this is how I became, you know, my conditions was I started checking out boxes, young inner city kid, Likelihood of going to jail and went up as far as statistics, at least a 25%. I checked off another box. Raised in a single parent household. Likelihood, the, the supposed likelihood of me going to jail just went up 25%, right? And they said the kid, black, racial discrimination. These are real guidelines. This is not cap. It's not cap. I don't I don't do this show to be flogging with you. I don't. Uh, I bring knowledge. I bring wisdom. I bring understanding. And I bring uh, true awareness of self. And I'm, you know, proud of the man that I am. So when I started telling my story, like, yeah, my mom needed help with the bills because my sibling had kids early. So I'm in, I'm in the crib uh, changing diapers. I know how to do the formula. Three, three scoops. A baby milk, two two scoops of water. You shake it up, put it in the microwave two minutes. I still remember that formula to this day. So for me, um, um, when it come down to it, I understood because there was no man to take this role. There's no man to take this role from me. My father's not here. It's just, it is what it is. He's not in the house. OG, you know. Uh, wasn't dating because she she's too involved in trying to to handle these circumstances. That's why I understood to an extent when uh, Dr. Umar, which is a fellow Pan Africanist, uh, when he says, "What conditions made our women this way?" Right? What conditions led to our women being this way? You know. There's accountability on both sides. This is true. But as a man, it's just something that you have to look at. So my mom had to deal with her kids having kids. My sister had uh, my niece. I think she's about 16, 17. Young, still a youth. Don't know what she's going to do with her life. And the backlog aftermath of that is I got to help in the house. I'm changing diapers. I ain't really going outside because I got to go home. I got to try to 
give my mom some form of peace. So what did I do my best to do? Yeah, I got good grades, but at some point, you know what I'm saying, you're going to want to go outside. Yeah, I didn't really, I'm moving back and forth. So the stability of having friends was out the window, at least until I got to about eighth grade, seventh, eighth grade for real. And I moved back to the city, not knowing that when I asked my mom, man, I, I want to go back to the city. I'm asking her that, man, I, I want to go back to the hood. And the conditions in the hood at that time, they went, they went best. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not really, I'm not realizing. I'm asking her, hey man, put me back in those challenging environments that add on to the, the possibilities of me going to uh county on 26th California. Shout out to everybody in Chicago. But you know what I'm saying? Let's be real. I'm not understanding that's what I'm asking her. But I want I want to fit, I want to have some sense of, of normalcy because I ain't got time for that. Oh, because you're from the city and suburb beef and all that little things, you know what I'm saying? That's they add on to the, the drama that's in our community. But at the time, that's what it was. So when I'm telling them this, I'm telling them this to say, like, look, I understand the struggles that you go through, especially coming into high school. You got gangs. You got this, that, that's it, this neighborhood. Whether you initially a part of it or not, it is what it is. And they're going to come at you for that. And if you if them your homies, especially from elementary school, and them the homies you grew up with in your neighborhood, they get into it. We all into it. Like that's how it is. And the reality is, if there's no man in the house every day to teach their young men how to them these young men how to navigate uh, uh, their situations. They ain't gonna do it. They gotta learn on my. I had to learn on my own, really. And by this time, ain't no you finna come and talk to me. Come talk to me for what? I believe I'm the man in my house, so there's no you finna come and talk to me and teach me what. At this point, I've developed this already mastered that I am the own my own man. So there's not much you can tell me. So I'm, I'm gonna be very hard headed. I'm gonna look at you like you're crazy. Like there's nothing you can tell me because all that. That you're trying to embed in me now was supposed to be embedded in me when, and as a young boy. And I stand on that. If you're going to try to truly instill some type of true manhood principle and guidance, you start from the time that young boy is little. Don't do it when he uh 17. Then try and come and talk, talk to him. Then it's out the window. Can't tell him nothing. Had my own money, had my own job. I'm outside, I'm already dealing with drama. I'm already dealing with the streets. So it's too late to try and come and like really guide me. I have to survive this on my own, really. I gotta survive this on my own. Ain't no you coming. It's it's over with. Now, if your father's now hear me out when I say this, because I had to come around the way, 360 around the way, forgive my father for. Uh, the way things panned out and talk to my father because I, I still believe that my father loves me, loves me, and he does. And when I called on him for, for real in-depth issues in my life, life-costing issues in my life, he came, he showed up at that time. Now, that doesn't uh, rebuke the fact of he wasn't always there in the way I wanted him to be, but when I say father's kept, my father cared enough to show up when he needed to or when i read like like it was life death i called on a pop i need you right if, if, if it's any time for you be my daddy now i need you to do that so 
I wanted the children to know that you may be in these conditions, but you are not your conditions. So I told it to him to say, well, look at how far I've, I've come. I've had God has intervened in, in so many ways. That's why I believe in a creator. And people be like, oh, like, no, he real. If if you walk with a path of genuineness and you walk with a path of righteousness, regardless of, of the belief and religious belief path that you do walk, as long as you are a righteous person, man or woman, the creator will, will bless you. He he will keep you here because there's a, a mission that you have to fulfill. The reason that even though I fit so many boxes uh, uh, or marked off so many boxes in the statistic, but I ain't never been to jail was because I believe that God said, no, I got something else for you to do, uh, my child. There's a reason why you, you, I done been pulled over at least five times. First time I got pulled over, I wasn't even in a whip. I was a 14-year-old boy, and I got a CPD officer with, with a pistol pressed in the back of my head, checking me to make sure I ain't got no weapons. But I, he's not looking at me as a boy. He's looking at me as, as a man, and I shouldn't have been labeled that way but that's what it was in my era that's what it was and um and after that event it was like because that could have went left when i got threatened in a popeye's uniform by police that could have went left when i got threatened uh to be sent to jail or popped when I was in the security uniform, that could have went left. And I mean, it's crazy because I'm in uniforms the next uh, few really significant times. I haven't been pulled over more than that, but those were the significant events to where like these were the dicks and they was searching for this and that and they ain't trying to believe nothing. They thinking I got a gun and I'm in full uniform. They don't care, they don't care about that because they see me just as a, a black man in the city. I don't know, you up to something, you doing something. I don't care about none of that. Not that I'm an upstanding citizen. It took 20, a quarter, quarter century. I spent 25 years of my life without tattoos because I understood the, the predicament and the stigma. Now, to me, tattoos is art. They've always been art. I love art. And to me, tattoos is a human expression and a human canvas for you to tell your story or who you are, your mindset, your mind frame. I truly feel like people, I should think about the art that they put on their body. Uh, but for the longest time, I didn't get tattoos. And, 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 and little baby say this. I believe he said this in a uniform, and in, in I said uniform, in an interview and in a um in a show. He didn't get tattoos because of the stigma that is attached to a black man having tattoos. He did not get tattoos because of the stigma that is attached to black men getting tattoos. And I understood that because there was one time I got pulled over, right? Luckily, I didn't have tattoos at this time. Uh, I do have a tattoo now, uh, but it does mean something. It says, remember you're a king from the islands to Africa. Uh, and that is because when I found out my ancestry, when I discovered my ancestry lineage, I put it in the form of a tattoo. Uh, I am as far as being... Uh, American African or descendant of the Africans from North America, 
my family lineage derives from people in the islands all the way back to Africa. So I got that in the form of a tattoo. But prior to this, there was one incident that I actually didn't end up saying in the speech. I get pulled over. I'm coming from my home crib. Uh, we lit at the time. We baked. I'm leaving. I'm not thinking nothing of it because I'm walking down the street. And most of the city kids get this and even if if you don't live in any city just you know being black is this gut thing like man 12 for the pull me yo i just i just felt it and i'm i'm down the street from my granny crib i'm walking past the corner store i see them they see me i'm like and i, I just knew it i say man they finna they finna whoop on me joe they finna pull me over no and behold and this the one night i left without my id i didn't have my id that's how i learned to keep my id on me because I, I, I about to get for gab. I talked my way out of not going to jail. And it was a weekend. So in, in the hood, bro, we had a we had a rule. It's an unwritten rule that if if you get pulled over, bro, do your best to not get booked on the weekend. Friday night or any part of the weekend because you're not finna see the judge till Monday. That was an unwritten rule in the hood. It's factual, right? And it's, it's Saturday night. So they pulled me over. They walk. I'm walking. You know what I'm saying? They hop out the car. It's a white lady and, and, and a Latino car. And buddy, the it was the Latin man, he holding on to me for dear life. I'm looking at him like, bro, I ain't finna run. Like my my crib is like literally down the street. You know what I'm saying? Like you holding on to my arm, like you never finna break it. I'm telling him, like, bro, I'm not finna run, Joe. Like, I don't do that. So and and I didn't have no tattoos at this time. I didn't have no tattoos. So they like, yeah, we looking for an assailant. It's it's damn near midnight. They like, yeah, we looking for an assailant subject. You know, he a, he a black male, this height, X, Y, Z, uh, with tattoos. So I tell them, um, bro, I just left my homie crib from down the street. Like we literally standing on the corner of my block. Basically, we in between the, the corner blocks. I'm like, bro, my house is right there. I'm pointing to it. I'm like, bro, I can see my house from right here. Like literally, my house is right there. Uh, and I ain't got no tattoos. So I instantly told him, like, bro, I don't have no tattoos. So I'm you already I'm X'd out already. I'm not the dude you looking for. I don't have no tattoos, bro. Like, it's over with. They ain't trying to hit that. So I'm like, man, look, the, the white lady, little white cop, like, oh, so you must be trying to get booked tonight. Why you ain't got no ID on you? You, you, you trying to go down to the what's name? <laughs> I remember this. I told her, I said, man, look, is you trying to do paperwork at the end of your shift all night? You know what I'm saying? Is you trying to do all this processing, bro? I'm just trying to go to the crowd. I told that when I was type comment, bro. I told I was like, man, look what you want. This my what's name. This ooh. I'm like, bro. And they couldn't believe I ain't never been booked. That's how hard the stereotype is. I'm steady telling them, like, bro, I ain't never been to the county. I ain't never been to the precinct, bro. Never. They're like, well, I'm bro. No, that's why I'm not in your state. Telling, like, bro, that's why I'm not in your system, bro. I ain't never been arrested. I'm just trying to go home. You feel me? And uh, from that point on, that's why I kept my uh, my ID with me. That's why I kept my ID with me. 
Uh, but outside of just dealing with dealing with street drama, my homies dying by the time my one of my closest homies that I went to elementary school and graduated high school with, my homie Cool, he was the artist. He was the artist on the block. Uh, folks wanted to be a rapper, everybody on the block. I was like, man, bro, go get us out. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, bro, go get us out of the hood. He, and he was adamant about his dream, though. He really was. He put that real work ethic. I seen him drop videos. Uh, he would sit next to me in class. And he'd be like, Cuzzo, because he was cousins. He's, you know, he's, he's that type of family. So he's like, Cuzzo, man, listen to this rap I just wrote. Him and, him and my cousin was rappers. Uh, he's like, Cuzzo, listen to this rap I just wrote. So he'd sit there, junior year, senior year, had his rap book out. Yeah, so I'm sitting there while he's writing a song that he finna produce and make a video to. Hey, man, boom, hit this bar, woo, woo. Adamant about his dream. And uh, unfortunately, he had got gunned down uh, right before he was able to turn 21 on his birthday, 21st birthday. And uh, I'll never forget uh, having to face my ah, nah, nah is is pretty much a black grandma. Uh, but it was his grandma, but that's everybody's grandma. That's why we call her Nana. And um, I'll never forget when I saw, when I saw her that day. Uh, I just broke down crying because I had just seen Cool. I just seen Cusco uh, a few days before that in this all white outfit and his little uh, and his little uh, uh, what he had Chrysler Chrysler three hundred. He had a uh, Chrysler three hundred Joe, and um, he had his all white outfit. We was just chopping it up. I was in my homie E Curry up. And he gave me a hug and he told me he loved me. And uh, then he sped off, you feel me? That's one thing about Chris, because we had a lot of nights. We had a lot of like long nights just chopping it up about dreams and what we was what we was going through and just like all our hopes. Uh and man, I, I really do wish he was here because he he was like he was the glue of a lot of the guys' friendships, bro. He really was. Um, but losing him, losing my homie said said two times we lost said, and we I had we had lost said before, cool because cool was at the at the funeral and I was sitting behind Cusco. It was so crazy because I vividly remember going to said funeral. I'm sitting there and Cool sitting right in front of me and he turned around and I and it's crazy because I, I didn't believe that that was gonna be the last time that I was the last like year. Time frame that I would see my homie that's sitting in front of me at another another one of the guys' funeral. Uh, so pretty much by the time I was like 25, bro, I lost like four dudes that I knew, like pretty personally. Like these is my homies and my guys and my family. Like my my boy Savage got gunned down. Uh, we was like 23, 24. And this this was my boy Corn, best one, his best friend, Shorty. Like Savage was his road dog. You feel me? Like, Savage was with him every day. Him, my homie LA, like, like, bro, like, we had real kinships inside our, our friendships as far as the guys in the bottom. We've been through so much. I've just been lucky not to get shot at. Like, I'm not playing. <laughs> I'm not playing. Like, bro, outside, being outside was not a joke. Being outside was not a joke. And going through all that, it made me real 
No, that was a part of the aspect of the conditions that was like, man, I don't, I don't care about you if you won from my block. This was before you see the the evolution of knowledge itself, wisdom, understanding, having love for your community, loyalty to your people, and, and understanding the value of life. When it comes from that six degrees, like for real, when you understand that, bro, that's different. And losing losing them, losing four of my homies and uh, Cortez, we call him Swole Cortez in high school. I remember seeing him. He would hang on on the block we called the row, out where I'm from, and I remember it's crazy because it's like I don't know if God let you see these people recently talk to them recently before they pass and whatnot. And uh, cause Savage came to my birthday, my homie Savage he came to my birthday with my homie uh, my homie Corn. He came to uh came to my birthday party, Joe. He oh Savage. That was my boy. His name is Malik. We call him Savage on the block. His name is Malik. Uh, but Swole Cortez, he was Swole Cortez because we knew two Cortez's when we was in high school. But he ended up passing. I seen him on the road one day. He was like, what up, 50? Because he, he know me mainly from high school, but we was always cool. Uh, he's like, I was like, nothing, bro. What you want? He's like, man, nothing for to go to the road, hang out with the guys. And a few days later, he get dropped right there on that same block. And it was just real sad to, to, to like see it, bro. Like it was just it was just real sad to see somebody go like that in the conditions in which we live in, bro. We in it. But at the time I was real numb because it was under the impressions that this it, it is what it is when we out here. It's just we drop, we pop, we to be real with you, niggas die every day, B. Like that's that was the motto, Joe. Like, no cap for paid in full, bro. Like, that really was how we was living in the wild, wild, bro. And um, it took the pandemic, uh, George Floyd's death, and just having to stay in the house that I started questioning the, the reality itself. Who are we as uh, African-descended people? What does it mean to be that? You know, where do I come from? Where is my bloodline from? What do I have to be proud of? What is the, the true essence and root of black culture? Like, not, not what you try to call black culture. Not what you try to label black culture. I'm talking about the essence of that. It takes a village to raise a child black culture that you can go to Miss Jackson and, and she could be your uh, after school teacher and you could trust her to watch over your kids. You could trust Mr. Johnson to help instill positivity in and righteous manhood into your young black boys if the father just so happens to be gone or absent because of something that may be in his control or out of his control, like that type of black culture, for real, for real. Uh, where did that go? I truly believe that that was uh, removed outside of, you know, the culture and, and being from down south. But, like, I wanted to answer all them questions about us. I just really wanted to be like, well, what is that? What, what is this? Who are we? All the way back to my Africanness, my essence as an African man. Uh, like, I don't play about that. Uh, you know, that's why I have, and I, I wanted to, to live that in my essence even when I went to speak today. So I'm telling them all this to, to get around to the to, to the point of my conditions do not make me, but once I found out my purpose, my purpose led me to wealth and my purpose led me to opportunities. Opportunities to where I, I can meet 
other big influences and getting rooms to where I can truly impact change and and truly show people that I have the ability with the gift that God gave me to move. That my voice moves people. That I can show the youth, excuse me, people in, in, in my demographic, my age range, that we have the ability to be successful, that you can make money in an industry that they're calling the social media frenzy and content creation and influencing and podcasting this opportunities and being you and truly accepting you because i didn't I, I just tell people like yeah i like the dragon balls y'all even anime but don't then nobody want to be intelligent because they're worried about being called lame and that's a that's a cultural stigma that we have to move away from we have to accept every version of black excellence because it's not name it's just that we are diverse it's not lame we diverse. That's it. That's the people that that God called you to be with. Astronauts, the lawyers, the cosplayers, comic book makers, because there's an industry that's needed. We we want representation. We should have representation in all form. But if people don't, if, if we as a consciousness don't accept each other for all forms that we come in, how can we truly grow? Like I seen another park, I have to say this. He was like, how far will we be if we truly Except that every phase of a black person, every phase of black people, how far could we truly grow if we then start to uh, ostracize those because they they do watch anime or or, or they are into gothic or they are spiritual and they not part of the uh, organized church, right? What would happen if we tr truly came together in in the way that, from my understanding of the Bible, wants God wants His children to be come together. Not judge. Move the needle for your people. And I wanted to be able to tell them, like, follow my, my purpose. I got a million views on Facebook. And I call Facebook, you know, that's, you know, neighborhood platform on baby. Went viral on Instagram to the point to where I got a dude from my high school comment hey brody man i see you've been doing what you've been doing hey bro man keep doing what you're doing and bro i cracked the half million views on, on tiktok bro i'm not not really i really do this i really do this and i've been viral more than once more than once so uh i say this to say that the same with them two things i want you to get from listening to this show today like subscribe uh, tell everybody about the podcast because you're truly trying to invoke change. Um, unity is true to me. It's not no cap. Unity true to me. It's not It's not a fallacy. It's something I really believe in. Uh, uh, but once you understand that your conditions don't make you and your purpose will bring you wealth and success, understand that. And believe you got to believe in that too. You got to believe in your purpose because it ain't going to be easy. But God going to make a way if you stop fighting him. Don't fight him on your gift. Bro, it, people would tell me all the time, oh, man, you would be a good speaker. Why don't you speak? Why don't you go on a debate team when I was in high school? But I'm trying to fit the social norms. I'm like, man, I ain't finna do that. I ain't finna do this, man. Y'all cap it. But God was trying to tell me through other people, bro, this is, this is the way I'm going to make your way. This is how I'm going to do it.
Now, you're you going to go through a lot, but if you listen to me, I got you. So, I'm listening. And he got me. But that's that's the show for today. That's the piece. Uh, if you take anything from it, take from that. And uh, if you truly rock with us, uh, support the show. Uh, support is being a listener. Uh, subscribe. Subscribe. It is free. And if you want to uh, donate, you can uh, cash out me at Afro of the Prince. Uh, follow me on Instagram. Follow me on TikTok. Follow the show. That's really what I want you to do. Uh, follow the show. Follow me on Spotify because we got to get to 100 followers. Because uh, we want to make an impression on the world. But love and appreciate y'all. And I will holler at y'all later. All right. Uh, remember, hit the subscribe button.